you were just listening to is a track called Australian Vacation by a Canadian band, Maticulous, and we'll be hearing that track in full at the end of the episode, so stick around and I'll tell you a bit more about it. Incredibly appropriate, isn't it? It, it is it's very appropriate, perfect. yeah. Um, how's, how's it going, John? Oh, fantastic. Look, um, Kevin, I am, I am, you have no idea how excited I am about this He's week's show. He's very excited. It is a massive show. John has surprised me this week and has organized a huge celebrity interview. Yes, a world exclusive in podcasting. Shall we tell them who it is? Ladies and gentlemen, we have got Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is joining us on Lost Outback today. It's, it's incredible. So, so stick around. We've got all that coming and more. Uh, but first, I wanted to get to some feedback that we got at podcast at lostoutback.com uh, this week. Um, it's from a, uh, a nice couple. Uh, uh, let, me, let me read this out to you, John. Okay. Yep. Um, hi, guys. I live in Pocatello, Idaho, USA. USA, that is. Uh, my husband and I went, went to Australia for our honeymoon and to visit his family's pen pals of 50 years. They are essentially family after all this time. Mm. Barb and Barney introduced us to many things Australian. Oh, Barb and Barney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know them. Uh, so I have a little bit of info for you. Pavlova is a very Australian food. Mm -hmm. They're right, actually. We talked about Australian foods a couple of weeks ago and we left out Pavlova. Yes. Historical information on pavlova is available at this address. We'll put up the address in the show notes. Okay. Since it's made without any wheat, it's the perfect birthday cake for the gluten intolerant person. Yes, it is. Yes. The pavlovas. Uh, look, look, thanks very much for that. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's great. It's, I'm really happy when we get feedback yeah, because me it means that we don't have to come up with any material. <laughs> <laughs> Both my husband and I find your podcast entertaining. Kevin's description of himself as a know-it-all is very accurate. John, I am often surprised you can get a word in on some of the episodes. Keep up the good work. Regards, Renee. Well, I, I don't know how you feel about that, John. Uh, look, I feel fine with that. Um, <laughs> I've been suffering here for such a long time. Hey, look, Renee, um, thank you so much uh, for putting, um, I was going to say pen to paper, or maybe finger to key. Um, yes, let, let's talk about a few of these things. First of all, the pavlova. Um, historically, what is a pavlova, I suppose, is the question that everybody wants to know, right? Yeah. Okay, well, a pavlova is uh, a dish that is made out of egg white, right? And you essentially whip up some egg white. Yeah. And the, the, the base of the cake is essentially egg white that has been turned into like a meringue. Yeah, it's okay, like, so it's, it's all meringue. It's like a super meringue. It's like the world's biggest meringue. Yeah, that's what, that was my impression when I first saw it. I heard all these stories about pavlova. you got to have a pav, got to try the pav. Come yeah, no, nobody pav. Call, yeah, nobody calls it pavlova, by the way. They call it a pav. Yeah, right? that's the hip new word for it. Yeah. And, and yeah, you go and you get this huge slab of meringue. And yeah, so you big a, a super meringue with whipped cream on top of it, mm. and then you put fruit on top of it. That's like, it. Traditionally, it's it's strawberries. Like you, you, your most basic pavlova 
is uh, strawberries, cream, and this meringue base. You need the kiwi fruit, though. But that's the thing. Like, you've got other variations with kiwi fruit, and you can even... Any sort of kind of fruits that you have on top of it. And it's a very nice, summery, light uh, cake, and it's it's delicious. And where the pavlova comes from... um, uh, I think it was like in the uh, turn of the, the the 20th century, there was this Russian ballerina. Um, I'm just going to run over to our uh, extensive web research here. Yes, her name was Anna Pavlova, and she was this Russian ballerina who came to Australia. And uh, to celebrate her coming to Australia, they uh, a top Australian chef developed a recipe uh, for her, and he wanted it to be as light and as fluffy and as beautiful as she looked when she was dancing. Hence, the pavlova <laughs> was was the, no, no. See, th- this this is true. It's not because she was gluten free, uh, gluten intolerant. I don't, I don't think so. No, no. But uh, so essentially, that's where the pavlova comes from. He want, he was inspired by this beautiful uh, ballerina when they, when she came to Australia, and this dish was made as a celebration for her coming to Australia. So that's the story behind the pavlova, and we will have links to um, pavlova sites. Did, did she happen to tour in New Zealand as well? Because the 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 research we've done suggests that it arose in uh, New Zealand around the same time as it did in Australia. And in fact, there's a bit of controversy over who invented the thing. Yeah, it's there's a lot of controversy between Australia and New Zealand. Like, this is quite typical. There will be things that... In any success that New Zealand has, Australia will claim as its own. <laughs> so, you know, like, there was a very big band a few years ago called uh, Crowded House. You may have heard of them in the kind of, uh, kind of late 80s, uh, mid-90s. And um, they're described as the best Australian band that New Zealand ever produced. Oh, I see. So, like, stuff like that, um, you know, and um, of course we have the, the dead set legend mm. that who's going to be talking on this show yes. later on, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Who is, in fact, a Waiting Kiwi. in the green room. Waiting in the green room, yeah. And um, so there's a lot of things that, that emanate from New Zealand that... Uh, that are actually uh, considered to be Australian. Speaking of the pavlova, though, I have to say that pavlova is a very unique dessert because it can look fabulous when it's sitting on the shelf, but as soon as you cut into it, invariably it just falls into this clump of you know cream and, and meringue, and it looks terrible. I've, you, I think you have to be a really talented chef to be able to serve a slice of pavlova and have it look nice. Yeah, I uh, I uh, ridi- uh, well ma- made a fool of myself at. Uh, a recent um, gathering of my girlfriend's family, and they were all, you know, they're Australian, so they're experienced pavlova eaters. And uh, I, uh, I, I proceeded to hollow out the inside of my pavlova because it's it's pretty firm meringue that you get, and I actually, you know, ate out the whole inside so that it was like this arch of pavlova on my plate. And I got um, some stares. I don't think I was doing it right. It was, it was bad. Kind of <laughs> um, the other thing with the pavlova, though, is it's this dish that's uh, kind of very, very old school in Australia, and it's not kind of considered to be groovy and cool. No. Right? So it's something that your grandmother cooks, and every grandmother in the country knows how to cook this dish. In fact, like I think they got training uh, before they went to the war on how to cook pavlovas. That's how important they are. But... Um, last year, I spent some time in uh, Italy, and you know we, we got to meet some Italians, and um, you know they looked after us and they cooked us meals and foods. So one night, uh, we decided that we'd do a treat for them, and we, um, we they said we want you to, to do the dessert, and we want you to do an Australian dessert. So my partner and I said, okay, well, yeah, let's do a pavlova, <laughs> and you know. In Australia, you, you'd never really do a pavlova if you're young and groovy because it's just a bit of a um, you know, you know, kind of old-fashioned thing. Yeah. 
So we, we made this pavlova for these Italians, and they, they were eating it. And actually, one of the Italians uh, was French, and she was, you know, very, very kind of uh, hoity-toity. And they were eating this pavlova, and they're going, oh, this is a brilliant dish, and it's so sophisticated, <laughs> and, you know, it's so clever to, to marry the cream. With the and it was like they'd never had a pavlova Thousands before. Thousands of kilometers from yeah. the nearest pavlova. Uh, yeah, and were. they're eating, and they're saying, this is so, it's brilliant. And, like, they... they it was incredible because in Australia it is just so um, kind of old-fashioned and embarrassing. Yeah. And in Italy, they're just going, my God, this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Oat cuisine. So anyway, look, I think we've talked enough about pavlovas. Uh, sure. We will give uh, a few links to pavlovas and uh, recipes and stuff like that so you can do research. Yeah, great. So it's the best dessert that New Zealand ever made <laughs> for Australia. At, uh, at work this week, uh, we have been planning our christmas party we, we take our christmas parties pretty seriously at work and uh so we plan them like six months in advance but uh um this year we're, we're thinking of going off to such a like a, a sunny destination in northern australia and the problem is that around christmas time in australia it's summer it's the height of summer in australia and it's just too hot all of the the the, the sort of tropical destinations you can't breathe because the the air is so oppressive and and all of the water is full of stinging jellyfish and it just uh you know in the same way that you're kept indoors in the north by all the snow in in Australia's north you're you're kept indoors to be close to your air conditioner and uh to not get uh stung by the wildlife so we've been having this issue and we're trying to think we're thinking oh maybe we'll move We'll move the Christmas party back uh, to an earlier time. And in fact, the best time to go north in Australia is right now, right in the middle of winter. Okay, right. So what are we now? We're kind of, yeah, middle of winter. We're in July. Yeah. yeah, it's July here in Australia. And um, uh, I, I, this got me thinking about this, uh, this phenomenon called uh, Christmas in July. Yes, yeah, it, and this is, uh, this is reasonably common because, as, as Kevin says, Australia is essentially uh, a country that has European traditions, but the actual hemisphere that we're in for, for Christmas, it's rather country because <laughs> literally Christmas is supposed to be December yeah. and it's got all of this kind of winter uh, paraphernalia yeah. associated with all, it. All of the same Christmas specials are on TV. You see Santa in his sleigh being... Pulled through a snowstorm by the reindeer, and it's forty degrees outside. Yeah, and, and like I have a, a a German friend who this really perplexed him, and he said that really Australia is kind of like this lost European tribe. You know what I mean? That's just kind of ended up <laughs> in the wrong place in the planet, and it's still holding on to particularly Christmas, these European traditions, and they they just so don't they're out of kilter with the season. Yeah, so but, Christmas in July, it's um, it's a, it's a way of counteracting that. Yeah, Christmas in July, you you around this time you drive around australia and you'll see um restaurants and things advertising christmas in july and you go to because it's the coldest time of year here in australia especially in melbourne you know it gets a bit chilly you have to dress up a bit people go now's the time now's our chance to celebrate christmas the way it was meant to be and uh yeah the, you can go and have turkey and, and 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 plum pudding and all those sorts of things right in the middle of, of july it's uh, it's so bizarre that I, when I was researching Christmas in July on Wikipedia, you know, the authority on all things, the article for Christmas in July had been um, entered and cancelled several times by people arguing that Christmas in July doesn't exist. It's a myth. If anything, um, Christmas in July in North America is just an excuse 
for certain retail chains to uh, have a sale in the middle of July when there's nothing else going on. So they have Christmas in July, but it's just a it's just a random sale. Come and get your dishwasher for twenty percent off Christmas in July. But it really is this this phenomenon in Australia. And in fact, a lot of people have celebrate Christmas in July parties. And so yeah, there's two tribes on Wikipedia at the moment. Those are going Christmas in July is a myth, and those saying, well, I live in Australia and I've eaten turkey every July twenty fifth or whatever it is for and, my and, life. And, and in Australia, it's more. Um we still we still have Christmas at summertime. Well, we still have Christmas on the twenty fifth of December. Yeah, as that's well. when you do okay. the presents. Like, so it is it is there, but it's more that they're saying, let's have that Christmas meal, um, or you know, almost like that Thanksgiving style meal. Let's have that um, because it's such a nice meal, and whenever we go to do it at the right time of year, it's summer, so it's the wrong time of year. <laughs> so let's actually take that meal and do it in the middle of the year, do it in July, mm. which is our winter. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's much about the food, the fact yes. that let's have this food at it's the right time of the year. The it's not so much about kind of the Christian celebration and all of that. <laughs> you still get that at the 25th of December. So yeah, I just wanted to let you guys out there all know that Christmas in July does exist. And join us in uh, some turkey and mistletoe on yes. uh, July 25th this year. So, John, I was uh, surfing the web this week and came across a really cool video. Okay. Uh, it's David Attenborough, a okay. famous uh, nature uh, TV he, host. He's, he's, he's the BBC's Mr. Nature. Mr. Nature. And, and the BBC is in big trouble if this guy ever dies. <laughs> well, he's, he recently, uh, just last year, I believe, celebrated his 80th birthday. And on his 80th birthday, I'm given to believe that... Uh, they ran a poll and tried to figure out what his shining moment was, the, the, his best television moment. And uh, the people voted and they had their say. And his moment, his best moment, was this little segment he did on the Australian lyrebird. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Austra- oh, I didn't know this. Well, uh, Australia's lyrebird is... is you know, it's it's a it's a bird. It walks on the ground, and it's a bit like a peacock, and it's got this yeah. crazy tail. Yeah. But uh, yeah. what it's well known for is its its is its song. It's its call. It's really unique. Uh, I've I've walked through several rainforests in Australia, and I've heard this thing. So, so Kevin, can I ask you? Is it liar as in <laughs> as in L A I R, or is it liar as in the instrument? The li- Yeah, it is the instrument. L Y R E bird. Yeah, and uh, but you know you can be forgiven for calling it the lyrebird because of its unique song. Uh, I I didn't actually know this until now. When when you're walking around and you hear the lyrebird, what you hear is something like, what? <laughs> really? Yeah. Apologies to the eardrums out there in our audience, but uh, yeah, it's this really sort of dipping noise, and that that's its true song. But it actually it also mimics the sounds in its environment. And that's what this this video is all about. We're going to play a little bit of it here, just so you can see what I'm talking about. He also, in his attempt to outsing his rivals, incorporates other sounds that he hears in the forest. That was a camera shutter. And again. And now a camera with a motor drive. And that's a car alarm. (whistles) 
and now the sounds of foresters and their chainsaws working nearby. So, yeah, there you go. Could it, you it's believe? quite incredible, like a chainsaw, for God's sakes. <laughs> I had the, uh, I've been looking all over the web to make sure this isn't a hoax, and especially if you, you're not seeing the video, you're probably thinking we're, we're playing a joke on you here, but I swear, that's, those are the actual noises the bird was making. It, it, it can, it can apparently mimic cell phones and all sorts of things. Yeah, like and, that. Can, and like, oh, that's the hideous thing, because like, up until recently, you know, you'd have kind of like cameras and chainsaws and stuff like that. But now, thanks to mobile phone ringtones, it's just hideous what can happen. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hear it, uh, you know, singing the latest. Oh, uh, kind of like Sweet Child of Mine yeah. or something like that, kind of poly- polyphonic ringtones. Well, yeah, you know, if we continue our uh, urban sprawl, pretty soon the library will be so confused. It won't even have a song of its own. It'll just be mimicking cars and factories and things like that it's a very sad thing yeah no but um yeah check out the video though we're we're gonna link to it on our blog it's incredible yes so um so yes australia as well as having kind of the kangaroos and the koala bears and stuff like that has amazing bird life and uh, the liar bird is just one of them other another amazing thing that australia has is amazing actors john Yes, we do. And, and I think it's. I think we've kept our, our guest of honor waiting long enough. Yeah. Look, uh, Kevin, I might just uh, uh, pop outside and and go get him. Do you okay. want to maybe introduce Russell while I, I, I get him? Okay. Russell Russell Crowe is. Um, you know, everyone knows about Russell Crowe, whether it's from his uh, starring role in Gladiator or his, uh, um, you know, headline making antics. And I thought it was time that. We, we got him on the show. I just couldn't believe it when his publicist agreed, though. And uh, it's so exciting. Here he is. Hi, Russell. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good eye. Russell, I, I, I just like to say how honored we are to have you here on, on Lost Out Back. Yeah, thanks, mate. Listen, um, I've been a, a fan of uh, the Lost Out Back podcast. Oh, really? You've been listening to us? Yeah, I download it every week when I'm away from Australia. It keeps me in touch. And, oh. you know... You know, it makes me feel homesick. It's very kind of you to say, Russell, but w- what sort of projects have you got on your plate at the moment? I'm working on uh, the Great Aussie Film. The Great Aussie the Film? Great, the Great Aussie Film. It's a film that tells how this country was made. It tells the world what Australia is and the, the honest Australian characters. And um, it stars me because I'm the only actor that could possibly tell that story. <laughs> I've uh, written this movie. And I'm also going to direct it. I see. And I'm going to try and edit it as well, too. <laughs> Russell, that's a, it's a big undertaking. I mean, do, do, you, do you really believe that one actor can, can take that uh, sort of responsibility on his shoulders? I mean, we do our best here at Lost Hat Back, but we wouldn't go so far to say as we are the uh, be-all and end-all of Australia. By the way, the uh, film's called uh, The Big Brown Land. Okay. And, um, yeah, I do feel I'm, a, I'm up for this movie. Okay. Um, I was going to play a number of the other supporting characters as well too, but I've decided that I want to give other Australian actors a bit of a bit of a shot. And oh, let so them you're have a go have to some... as well. Okay, but, it's an um, all Australian cast, is it? Yes, it is, but predominantly it's about me and my story in uh, the Great Aussie Adventure. So not only are you um, leading role, directing, writing, and possibly editing, but the story is about you as well. It is actually about me. Yes. Oh. 
So, it's so about, why is Russell Crowe so important as to be the highlight of Australia's history? Well, I have a vision. I have a vision for this country. I have a vision for how this country is perceived overseas. I want to tell the world that Australia is about Russell. It's about me. You know, it's not easy being Russell Crowe. People think, Russell Crowe, you've got it easy, but no, I don't. I, I find it very hard. I find it very difficult. Every day I have to wake up and look at myself in the mirror and say, you're Russell Crowe. The world is, is depending on you. It's a big responsibility. You know? And I want to make a movie about me, my, my acting, my vision, and the, 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 the stories that I've had to, to work through to get to me to this point in my life. Okay. Do well, you know, speaking, of, speaking of what you've done to get to this point, yes. um, obviously Gladiator, the biggest movie in your career, would you agree? I would agree with that, yes. Okay, well, what, what was so special about that project? Well, I was in it. I see. So, had had uh, had you not been cast in that, how do you think that, that film would have gone? Well, that film would not have existed if it wasn't for me. Really? Yes. What did you do to bring it to life? Well, I was born. I see. And in fact, I don't think people would have realized that the Roman Empire even exists if it wasn't for me. Okay. In fact, the Roman Empire and the entire of Western history is about me. And this movie was essentially a, a percolation of, of history okay. to a role that I could play. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure I understand, but let's move on. Okay. Um, how do you feel uh, constantly, uh, especially here in Australia, people are, are very aware that actors are making their making their bones, you know, getting a big role and then moving overseas and, and they're being adopted by the Hollywood machine. And surely you've been guilty of this to some extent yourself. Of course I have, because I'm an actor and that's what you do. Australia is a great country, but you've got to go overseas so that people can see how great you are. All right. And Hollywood was a big enough stage for me. Yeah. It's not big enough anymore. Okay. So that's why I've come back to Australia to make... A bigger stage. Do you find that you're distinguishing yourselves from um, other Australian actors on the world stage? Uh, I mean, many of them will, will lose their Australian accent and, and, and shed their, their Australian culture and, and integrate. Whereas yourself, you seem to be very much sticking to the Aussie identity. Of course I am. Like, there's other Australian actors like Anthony LaPaglia. Have you heard of Anthony LaPaglia? I have, but I had no idea he was Australian. No, he's lost his accent. Mm. And one day I'm going to meet him and I'm going to hit him. You're going to hit him? Yes. Okay, well, you have been famous for a few, uh, you know, I, I want to be delicate here. I'll call them displays. Um, you've made the headlines once or twice with your temper. Yes. What do you have to say about this? I'm a passionate man. Okay, I'll agree with you there. I have a heart that's as big as this country. And if somebody challenges me, I will stand my ground. Uh-huh. Like the other day when I was coming here in my helicopter, the pilot looked at me the wrong way, so I hit him. What, oh. what happened to the plane? Well, it crashed, but, you know, it was his fault. Okay. What, how, did you escape alive? Of Unscaped? Course. Of course I did. I'm Russell Crowe. Okay, fine. I'm How's the pilot? I don't care. Oh. I've paid his family $100,000. It's okay. I see. Um, <laughs> fine. You also have a musical career. You've got a, a rock band called 30-odd Foot of Grunts. Yes, could you tell us about this, this title to begin with? What's the name of the band mean? I was working on a movie called uh, Virtuosity. All right. Not one of your shining moments. It was a starting point. Okay. Okay. And in this movie, Virtuosity, there was a, a line in it that said, 30-odd foot of grunt. 
to describe a sound effect because when they make movies, they make sounds in the length of the actual film strip. So 30-odd foot of grunt is a, a description of an amount of time. And I thought it was quite a, an interesting phrase. And that's where I picked the name for this band. Okay. And but what sort of music are you guys into? My music. Yours. About me. All right. How do, how do your fellow band members feel about this? I don't care. Who are they, by the way? You know, every time we hear about this band in the news, uh, we hear about you. I don't even know who the other people in the band are. Well, do you know what? I don't know either. Oh, and right. I don't care. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> could you could you go it alone, do you think? I could. But you choose not to. Of course I can. I'm going to set up my own band. It's going to be a one-man band. All by yourself? Yes, just me. The Russell Crowe. One man band, but surely you need like you know five instruments to do the rock. Yes, of course justice. you do. And what I've got is I've got a drum that I can put on my back, and when I move my elbows, it it it, it makes noises. Like I've got a harmonica that's fitted to a chain around my neck, and I've got tambourines attached to each of my ankles, and a guitar, and I can just move my body, and it's Russell Crowe, the one man band. Russell, it, wouldn't I mean this is this is sounding like a carnival act, to be honest. Of Won't course, this it hurt is. your in- image. I'm Russell Crowe. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna bring do- the Russell Crowe cool to the one man band. Yeah, I can do anything. I'm Russell Crowe. I'm uh. the world's greatest performer. Okay, are you gonna be you know ruining the the livelihoods of one man band performers everywhere? I think that the the one man band genre is is sadly lacking. I don't think people take it seriously. They're all going to become Russell Crowe tribute acts. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to essentially take the experience that is a one-man band and take it to the next level. All right. Well, thanks, Russell. Um, You know, say hi to the family. Thanks very much. I'd love to do the show again sometime. Really? Yes. Perhaps you could, you know, come on and play us some of your music. I'd love to. Debut your solo act. Hey, listen, uh, before I go, I just wanted to say that uh, that, uh, that, that, uh, that John Corey guy, he's a top Aussie bloke, and I think he's really good. Well, I th- we think very highly of him as well. All right, yeah. And uh, Kevin, stay cool. See you later. Thanks, Russell. Thanks for joining us. Wow. Um, not, not quite what I was expecting, I have to say. Oh, John. What, hey. Uh, hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm back. Uh, I, 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 I couldn't find Russell. Um, well, he was he was here. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, damn, I missed him. <laughs> you must have just oh, missed him. That's so annoying. Was it a good interview? Uh, it was interesting. I'll, 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 he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting fellow. I'll give him that. I think he's a really... I think he's a top Aussie bloke, actually. I think he's pretty good. Well, he had some fine words to say about you as well. Oh, really? Okay. Coincidentally. Yeah, I was having a beer with him the other day, you know, and he's, he's pretty uh-huh. good, yeah. Yeah. Did he show you his symbols? Yeah, he said he wanted to do something about being in a one-man band. Mm. I, I don't know where he's going with that, but, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's Russell. I think, uh, Russell, you're up for it, you know? Speaking of music, I think we're going to end this episode with uh, the, uh, the band that you heard at the top of this uh, episode of Lost Out Back, Maticulous. There are, there are two, two guys in Canada. Um, they, they, they're named Matt and Matt, one with a T and one with two Ts. Oh, okay, that's they, clever. Yeah, they, they, so they call themselves Maticulous. You can visit their website at M-A-T-I-C-U-L-O-U-S dot com. That's Maticulous. And uh, they're under Broken Records Studio. That's their record label. And anyway, they, they, these two guys took a, 
they're Canadian, but they took a, a vacation up the eastern coast of Australia, and they wrote this song about it. And uh, I think it's great. It really, it, it talks about a lot of the stuff that we talk about here, and you know, y- y- you hear about Sydney yeah. and Tui's beer. And, yeah, when I heard and, it, was it was quite amazing. It was like, oh my god, it's almost as if they've written this song for us. Yeah, listen out for uh, mentions of Byron Bay, the easternmost point in Australia, and. Uh, a great place to go on vacation. And anyway, check them out at uh, meticulous.com and uh, enjoy the music. And we'll be back here next week. All right. Look, um, great working with you, Kevin. Thanks. And uh, see you around. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Top 
fish and bare feet To mansions on Palm Beach up to anywhere to steal in the wrong beat Yeah, you know that place that we've all traveled the most The south end of the north, you're the holy smokes Through the odd lands, in a traveling band On a hunt for the women with the cinnamon tans Through the desert sands and the moons at night On the edge of the ocean till the break of light On a sailing trip, we thought we'd think twice Kinda later, let fate take a skipper's life If we work for rapping, leaving people laughing Well, imagine meticulous just started acting And we stop Just for a minute so we can sneak into camp with every sporting Mr. Christie Let me rock But keep on living Sit in our positions and wait till the plot thickens It's the good days The free drinks are backstage with two face To lose our lives like two pages To get the props out of your head Well, number one, cheeky monkeys The others are bullshit Come on and take me far away from here Where I can think while my head is clear A place we can remain throughout the year Ooh, do you wanna? Ooh, do you wanna? Party the whole way, up to Cairns, going through all the clubs, thanks for the good time.